0: Hi, I'm Mark Iskowitz, Executive Editor of m M&M, and and welcome to the mm and Podcast, and to the third of our new series called Marketers at Home, where we look at how healthcare marketers are adjusting to COVID-19. I hope you're all well and safe, and staying safe, excuse me, during this difficult time. The last episode in this new podcast series, which aired April 24th, looked at various aspects of pharma brand management in the age of coronavirus. One area we touched on was market access, and given the changes there, Today, we're gonna delve more deeply into that topic. And my guest is Everett Crossland, SVP commercial for Applied VR. Applied VR is pioneering the next generation of digital medicines through development of safe and effective virtual reality therapeutics, or VRX, that improve clinical outcomes for patients with serious health conditions. And we're going to get Everett's take on how various aspects of market access for digital therapeutics have been transformed in the wake of coronavirus. First, I wanna thank our sponsor, GuideMark Health, Godmark Health is known for a commitment to clients' brands and the patients and communities they serve. Entrenched in cancer and rare disease, Godmark Health provides meaningful insights that provide moments of truth and action. Again, we thank them for their sponsorship. So I want to welcome you, Everett, to this sort of uh, quarantine version of the MMM Podcast. It's great to speak with you again. Uh, I'm taping from my attic in North Jersey. It's not quite as state of the art as our uh,
1: podcasting studio back in Manhattan but it'll do for now how about you where are you situated so I'm in a uh, yeah thanks for the opportunity mark I really really appreciate it and i'm I'm in my home office that's uh, slightly larger than a than a closet i I'm relatively accustomed <laughs> to to working from home it's something I, I've, I've worked remotely for a long time but, there's something, uh, missing in my life in, in the form of, you know, five hour cross country flights and the, uh, introspection that I get in that, um, as well as just that person to person engagement. It's even as somebody who's worked remotely for years, I, I find, uh, find myself kind of burning out more rapidly these days.
0: Right. Yeah. The, that time of that sort of downtime whatever you want to call it where we're, we're not looking on our phones uh or maybe we are but we're just um commuting you know here or there um uh, as you say across the country um that's that's missing and it's just there's an intensity to it um that that makes it uh more more burdensome mentally for for sure i'm feeling that as well absolutely um, yeah absolutely yeah but um So, But, but, you know, it's really, I just want to say, a privilege to be speaking again with you one-on-one. I think the last time we spoke, it was about some of the changes going on in digital therapeutics, specifically the relationship between pharma and DTX companies like Proteus uh, and some of their commercialization um, uh, issues and challenges. And uh, that Q&A is on our website. Um, You know, everybody out there can find it again. But uh, Everett, you know, uh, it's it's really privileged to to talk to you again and tap into your market
1: access expertise. So thank you.
0: Hey, likewise, yeah, I'm,
1: I'm looking forward to the conversation. You know, and I thinking back to that discussion, I, I hope that most of what we talked about still still largely holds true. Um, that said, you know, the I think one remarkable aspect of uh, COVID nineteen um, is how rapidly the healthcare landscape is changing. Um, you know, some of those fundamentals still remain, in that you know, we still need uh, strong clinical and health economic evidence. It's just in, just incumbent upon us to to bring that to to market as players in the healthcare space. But at the same time, things are changing incredibly fast. I've never seen, uh, for example, centers for Medicare and Medicaid services react as quickly as they have in recent weeks uh, and even months here um it's just mm-hmm. it's truly a remarkable time all around
0: absolutely you know sort of uh making the rules more um accommodating if you will for things like telemedicine um and then on the fda side uh kind of issuing these emergency youth thought use excuse me authorizations uh for um some things that have, that have actually been a boon to digital therapeutics um that, that have really, um, been a game changer. Uh, we just did a, uh, interview with a company, um, uh, Ach- Achille interactive, uh, that really, uh, was able to do a, kind of a, a, soft launch, uh, of its, um, video game prescription video game for ADHD because of the, uh, FDA emergency use authorization, uh, for, uh, mental health. Um, so really a lot of interesting stuff going on. Uh, we'll get to the, We'll hear more from Everett in a moment. Just first wanted to uh, run through a couple of housekeeping items, pre-conference webcast. Um, uh, I'm doing an interview with, um, Dr. Tanya Elliott of NYU Langone, speaking of telemedicine, uh, on that very topic on May 21st. So that's coming up next week. This is going to be a sneak peek, if you will, of some of the cutting edge content that we have in store for our Transform Conference, which is coming up at the end of uh, August. Um, So you'll hear more from that, about that, excuse me. um, And you can find out more on the website in the meantime. Uh, Secondly, please register now on the website um, if you haven't already, uh, because our agency 100 uh, content is about to drop uh, on June 8. Um, if, if you're a close... Um you know, observer of, of the of the magazine, of the brand, you know that we've been doing this issue of uh, the, the Agency 100 in July every year for the last decade, at least. We just moved it up to June. Uh, and so all that content will be going on in a couple of weeks. And uh, if you register for the site, you can make sure uh, to get uninterrupted un- access to it. And registering is free. Uh, so nothing to lose there. Uh, And finally, last but not least, our May issue is on the site now, and that includes a feature on agencies doing good and an article on other helpful podcasts to listen to that's also sponsored by GuideMark Health. GuideMark's intention is to help connect consumers with approachable, high-quality healthcare information, and in that article, you can read their recommendations for other podcasts to connect with now. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled program with special guest market access expert Everett Crossland. So, you know, when stay-at-home orders went into effect back in March, awareness of the benefits of digital technology and healthcare saw a market spike. And not only for remote consultations, digital medicines that can improve clinical outcomes also enjoyed heightened interest. In a scenario in which visiting the doctor in person was no longer safe or even possible, suddenly digital therapeutics, in mental health and other areas, shifted from a nice to have to a must have. And so, Everett, how was awareness and demand for virtual reality technology in healthcare impacted by COVID nineteen?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, I think, uh, like you said, there's there's just been this rapidly rising tide of of awareness uh, in that market, shaping that that tends to happen as as proactively as smaller smaller companies can make it happen, but it, it tends to kind of follow that almost organic type of growth trajectory of awareness of what these offerings can uh, can provide the value propositions that we bring to uh, healthcare and the landscape. That prior to COVID, that was really following that kind of slow adoption curve. Uh, uh, despite, as hard as we were trying, it, it, it really... Uh, healthcare has a has a slightly over a decade-long adoption curve, right, of any technology. And we were following that that adoption curve, I think, and um, without much of an exception. COVID has taken that and, and really steepened that curve dramatically. Um, in particular, I think it has forced uh, the provider world to um, look for solutions that um, that typically were viewed as, you know s- supplemental or additive. And now these are filling a true and acutely felt gap. In virtual reality, uh, there are multiple different uh, clinical use cases for virtual reality. Uh, applied VR is pursuing chronic pain, uh, management, treatment, and opioid sparing. As well as anxiety and acute pain, and uh, so it's cliche at this point. I'm sure everybody's kind of saying this, but it's not like the pandemic has meant that uh, people who suffer from chronic pain suddenly stop suffering from chronic pain. Um, and right. so that need is still there. There's the inability to uh, go in and see your uh, your chiropractor your physical therapist, uh, there's the inability to go into a pain clinic, um, and we're able to meet that need in a, in a virtual manner, um, in a way that, uh, that ensures people have treatment that is demonstrated to be effective through randomized controlled studies, um, and in a way that also doesn't put people at risk by uh, requiring them to go into a healthcare setting. Um, So I think more than anything, this kind of, this forced that mindset that we all as commercial individuals tried to uh, gently lead our customers into, you know, we try to lead people into thinking, what is it about my problem that uh, needs solving? And Mm -hmm. the pandemic forced that for us. And it's now we're, we're able to step in. essentially uh, in a very clear and concise manner say here's the solution that you're looking for
0: Uh, where where are you seeing the biggest surge um you know which therapeutic areas and and which customers
1: sure yeah i I would say undoubtedly chronic pain um and in particular that's a function of a lot of the drivers of acute pain uh not uh, not really being um, executed upon right now, so a lot of acute pain comes out of elective surgery. A lot of that volume comes out of elective surgeries. Uh, elective surgeries are are just starting to come back. So during this time, um, where we saw people really pick up in their interest, was how do we solve for chronic pain? Um, because yeah, patients just really aren't able to get into to the service providers that are typically primary for chronic pain management and those are those really are like the chiropractors the physical therapists so how do we fill that that gap the challenge for for us is has largely been the the lack of bandwidth you know just that lack of like mind share um, on the part of different parts of an organization your frontline clinician and practitioner may be really actively seeing the gap in care you know the the physical therapist uh that is no longer able to see patients absolutely is hearing from their patients uh who can't get in to see them that they're in pain right Mm -hmm. um the the challenge is is that if that group of 150 to 250 physical therapists is owned by a health system that is dealing with, uh, COVID-19, um, their top 10 priorities are all around COVID-19, even though there's a clear unmet need happening off to, uh, to the side, to some extent, um, that is very acutely felt by that group of practitioners and the patients that they serve, um, the purchaser um, and the, uh, the administration, rightfully so, is fully absorbed by this crisis. And it's, a, it's true, just triage at every level um, that we're seeing right now, right? If somebody can live through chronic pain, but they can't live through COVID-19, it's the healthcare system's uh, job to to triage for you know, the most severe patients, and that's that's what's that's a challenge right now. Is that we're we're dealing with that um, that triage again? That's rightfully being executed upon, but we're dealing with the 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 impact of lack of bandwidth.
0: Interesting, and I, I guess given uh, that health systems are, are largely um, their attention is is absorbed by by putting out the fires of COVID nineteen, yeah. uh, sometimes the the pain of their patients uh, can be overlooked. So perhaps the the demand has to come from the bottom up rather than a top down um, type of a dynamic. H- have you had any trouble meeting demand due to supply or manufacturing disruption? Has has that been an issue at all?
1: Uh, you know, it, it, temporarily, but uh, only temporarily. It really uh, our headsets are manufactured in China, um, and uh, we you know, we had to do some blocking and tackling for just a period of weeks, but then we're able to navigate through that pretty quickly. Um, yeah, and just kind of going back to that that previous comment, it it does it almost feels like you know the entire healthcare system. Has pivoted to emergent care, right? And so, yeah, that the comment around a patient who's in pain but not on death's doorstep uh, is is going to be deprioritized. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that that's how um, we would see the healthcare system react right now. Um, the question that we have to bring to the forefront is, you know, when. Is it appropriate to manage, to to really engage and manage those patients and start to prioritize them? And when can we think through those longer term uh, cost drivers and those longer term effects that we we know we can get in front of if we appropriately manage these patients?
0: Right. Um, You know, as a pharma commercialization professional, uh, you have to cater to all customers um, and uh, that includes um, you know, articulating the value of your firm's digital therapeutics to medical systems and, and to payer customers. Um, I would imagine that you know, perhaps you, you may not be doing so much on the you know, direct to payer front right now, but, but you still have to be articulating the value proposition of, of, your, of your products. Um, how has the change of, of marketing, market access shifted during COVID-19 and how are those conversations going?
1: Yes, similar challenge there in the form of bandwidth, you know, when you think about the uh, you know, the individuals that we would be targeting and having conversations with, it's it's interesting because we're able to get people on the phone and we're able to get people to, to do the video conference. Largely because they're they're not jumping from meeting to meeting. They might be jumping from call to call, but for whatever reason, people seem to have a little more availability. The challenge until we're able to get our message in front of people more readily. um, The challenge is is again is bandwidth. I've talked to innovation teams that have been detailed to run telehealth centers that previously didn't exist. I've talked to uh, medical directors that have nothing to do with uh, COVID-19 or, or infectious disease. And uh, they're, they've been detailed to manage some element of the crisis. Um, the other big question here is, is uh, budget availability. Um, on the part of health systems, uh, you know, every day there's a headline around um, hospital systems really struggling financially and mm-hmm. digital health uh, still is, un- unfortunately, still is in this stage of, of being perceived uh, by many health systems, All it's getting better than this, but by many health systems as subject for discretionary funding. And... Uh, through this crisis, a lot of health systems are freezing those discretionary funds. Uh, again, when we think about talking to payers, however, and we make those value propositions based off of evidence, we we move away from discretionary funds and we move into the budgets that that really are impactful. Um, and those budgets we're finding are, uh, are are less frozen today. That said. Everybody's budget is is within question, is up for you know, up for debate right now, um, because there's just a lack of clarity, you know, around the future generally uh, for all customers, and so um, it's hard for us to to help customers in that manner. But we can help give them clarity around downstream effects, uh, both from a budgetary perspective and clinical outcome perspective. We've got the evidence to do so.
0: Sure. You've got your broad evidence base from your clinical trials. Um, You know, the bandwidth issues notwithstanding, once you do get in front of the right person who holds the the budget strings, the purse strings, if you will, um, has the fact that coronavirus has rejiggered, if you will, the equation in terms of, patient's inability to see, say, a, a pain specialist, a chiropractor, uh, makes your solution you know, more of a must-have, what kind of effect has that had on changing the definition of value and the variables that go into those health economics and outcomes research studies that are your bread and butter?
1: Yeah, yeah, there are kind of two layers there. It's interesting. I think payers are probably going to come out of this, or health plans are probably going to come out of this crisis. Um, with a, uh, a actually healthier budgets than they uh, previously projected, um, we're very much aligned uh, with health plans when we think about moving uh, their their providers over to digital health, um, as long as there's a, a there's clinical evidence for it, in, because predominantly it's more cost effective. Um, now there are some studies out there that show that it's either budget it's budget neutral um, but for the most part across uh, at least a variety of disease states and health conditions it's it's more cost effective to deliver health care mm-hmm. outside of brick and mortar. Health plans are uh, are aligned to that and um, are are looking both towards a, a couple of things they're looking towards, um, the reimbursement models that make sense and allow them to manage costs well into the future, um, around around the kind of new paradigm of care, and at the same time, um, they are looking at kind of this post 1135 waiver world where um, they know that you know CMS has provided uh, a lot of incentives for them to change. How they treat um, in this in this time period, but we know that those are largely going to go away. And so, how what's the fingerprint look like post that, this kind of crisis management period? And I think that you know payers recognize that there's an opportunity here. It's an opportunity for um, provider behavior to to cement this change in provider behavior for us that we're very much aligned to that opportunity. We can help facilitate that. Um, it's a matter of how do we integrate into the program uh, that is that the payer is trying to submit. And that's happening today. I, I'm talking to payers multiple times a week who are working through just that calculation of what's good about this change, recognizing this absolutely is a tragedy, but what's good about this change what is what will not be sustainable out into the future? and what are the solutions that can help us cement the good and and avoid the bad?
0: Yeah, everett, uh, you know it's um, that's a perfect segue to my next question, which was going to be that just to point out that in every crisis there's a silver lining and perhaps here um, as well, you know as, as you as you say, um, there could be an opportunity to, cement this change in provider behavior and companies like applied vr uh, can facilitate that um, by uh, as you said articulating what's good about the change uh, and and you know perhaps um, you know pointing out that um, uh, it is uh, as you say more cost effective to deliver healthcare outside the brick and mortar and you know as we see in like telemedicine, where people are saying this has been a real turning point for telemedicine in terms of its its acceptance, its receptivity, um, and all the stars aligning and people are saying that in the post-COVID world, uh, the healthcare system will um, look a lot more, um, it'll, it'll be integrated a lot more in, in the healthcare system. Do you th- expect to see the same thing happen for digital therapeutics and virtual therapeutics mo- moving forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that really with with digital therapeutics, the, the challenge we're probably we're we're clearly earlier in the curve than telemedicine, right? That's no doubt about that. Um, but I think this accelerates us dramatically, and it accelerates us in a couple of different ways. One, um, I think we'll see a lot of digital therapeutics companies coming out of uh, this unfortunate era with. Uh, partnerships with payers that otherwise would would not have happened in such a timely and aggressive manner and um, and that really is demonstrative of the fact that um, payers, much like providers are really being forced to be creative in how they solve these these issues um, and you know they're looking for solutions that previously they would have yeah, pushed over to discretionary, pushed over to the innovation team, right? That's not to say anything bad about the innovation teams, but but really, they, it, it's it's always been a challenge for us to kind of navigate through to payers where we can be um, where we can set up a meaningful partnership. I think coming out of this, we'll see those meaningful partnerships having been accelerated, especially for the the companies and offerings that have evidence behind them.
0: What kind of uh, challenges, other than the ones you've articulated, um, are are you kind of working through now um, in this moment of of crisis? Is it kind of really cementing those partnerships with with health plans um, and uh, and health systems?
1: Yeah, I think it's you know it, it's lump or market is lumpier right now. Um, there are uh, there are some customers that uh, there's some customers that. You know have already they've moved more quickly to that place of recognition of of and demand for um, more out of the box thinking. and and um and then there are customers that and accounts uh, that are moving quick more quickly than they have previously, but uh, their their bandwidth is taken up uh, more greatly, right? So, And that it's interesting because the it's kind of disrupted this um, group, the segmentation where we all know who the early adopters are in the payer space, or who the uh, early adopters are on the large health system and IDN side, and um, and that segmentation doesn't really hold right now uh, because the segmentation is more driven by yeah those bandwidth challenges et cetera. And um, and so that's been a bit of a challenge is, you know, how do we how do we approach our market? How do we um, approach the market from a position of empathy? Um, And how do we ensure that our solution fits uh, a need that may have changed more than uh, we realize, you know, uh, just given um, a lack of on the ground knowledge?
0: I know a lot of people are uh, asking what kinds of information providers are asking for now to help them better cope with COVID-19. It seems like every week I see a new study designed to answer that question. What are you hearing in in your interactions with HCPs in terms of how they're, as they look to change their behavior, perhaps to accommodate more of these types of uh, modalities? What what kinds of information or or needs do they have to help them uh, on the front lines?
1: Well I mean you know this is an obvious one but but uh, t- top of the list is infection control uh, that's especially pertinent for a virtual reality company where we're putting a headset on people's faces um, but beyond the the obvious there, I think you know uh, physicians are very cognizant of a new class of patients uh, being subjected to, care at home and being asked to self-manage that previously they uh, were not self-managing. They were coming in, they, they may have even been a high utilizer and been leaning very heavily on that particular physician or that particular health system. And so for, for they view uh, these solutions as maybe a solution of uh, medium to last resort, given the circumstances. Um, but they're willing to try it. And yet they also recognize that, like, they've got these patients that uh, could struggle to uh, to really self-manage.
0: So those are some interesting uh, kind of uh, needs that they have that are specific to uh, virtual reality and implementing that, you know, modality. That's very interesting. Um, just kind of also uh, wanted to just finish up by asking you, What other kinds of marketing you've been doing? Uh, Have you done any uh, direct-to-consumer or direct-to-patient? Excuse me, let let me start over on that one. Um, What other kinds of of marketing have you been doing? Uh, Do you do any direct-to-consumer or direct-to-patient? And what marketing initiatives do you have planned for the next, say, two months, six months?
1: Yeah. Uh, So one thing that we've been really exploring are are strategic partnerships with um, organizations that are uh, selling into institutions um, with it, that that have selling solutions that are COVID-related in into institutions. Um, in particular, the hospital setting for the last couple of months has been, uh, and again, rightfully so, but has been really hard to uh, to even access and and describe our value prop um, to. And so there are uh, there are. Uh, providers of, of masks and ventilators and solutions that, um, that hospitals need on a daily basis and we've been uh, seeking out and, uh, and partnering with them. Uh, in particular, we partnered with Red One Medical that is a, uh, a reseller in the federal space and a, re- and a reseller in the commercial space they they sell a variety of items that um, are COVID related, but also solutions uh, like ours. Um, and they have the ear of of uh, decision makers because they, they're they able to sell those that diversity of items. So that's in part been our strategy through this process is set up those partnerships that, mm-hmm. that maintain that access.
0: I see. So it's a partnering strategy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that was I saw that one and that, that, that kind of gives you access to the whole VA uh, health yeah. system, uh, which is uh, sounds like a smart move. Okay. Um, well, this has been fascinating. Uh, thank you again for your time, Everett.
1: I, absolutely. I really appreciate it and appreciate the discussion. I think it's uh, important for us to kind of get as much information out there and share notes where we where we can as you said, the, the healthcare landscape is
0: changing very rapidly. So um, thank you for giving us kind of a bead on, on what's happening in market access with regard to digital therapeutics and virtual therapeutics.
1: Hey, you bet. Happy to do it. Thanks for the time.
0: Sure. And I just want to, before we go, thank our sponsor again, Guide Mark Health. And I want to thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. Stay safe, stay well, stay connected with MMM, And for Larry Dobrow, Steve Madden, this has been Mark Iskowitz. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon on the MMM podcast. Take care, everybody.